Hello, I'm Jackson Short. And I'm Carlos Garcia Leon. And we just got back from spring break, so we're feeling V floral and not ready for school. So, in let's the meantime, be artful. let's be artful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Do, 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 do. We need to have like, somebody videotape the process as well. Kind of. Like, I feel like we should. Hi, everyone. Thanks Hi, so much for listening. Thank you so much for staying with us. Today we have a very special guest, the love of my life, really. She doesn't know it, but like I think <laughs> she is the love of my life. Brittany, say hi, Brittany. hi to our listeners. Hey guys, it's Brittany. Brittany's in our program and I love her because she is our museum expert, as I like to call her, because she's very museum. And by very museum, it's like she's the only one. I was going to say, I don't know if I would call <laughs> myself an expert, but since I'm the only well, one. With, yeah, with everyone else, like not even close. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, we we can venture a guess. Okay, it's cool. like that situation in band where like you're the only bassoon player, ah, so, so I'm like the you're like the first chair, but also the last chair. Ah, yes, okay. That that actually is very apt. You're right. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> how it is. <laughs> um, so we're gonna talk about uh, maybe some of the stuff that we saw this week, um, which was basically nothing. Yeah, I um, saw. I mean, I I was out of Cincinnati, so. Uh, last week I went to go see Marie and Rosetta. Um, Carmen wrote a uh, really good post on our website about it, um, which I agree with. Um, and I won't rehash it. Just go read it. Um, and uh, I also went to go see um, Othello on Thursday for $14 student rush tickets, which was really great. Um, but we'll talk about the schedule later on. We don't really have much else to talk about when it comes to shows we've seen. No. Bring because me. we're not talking about shows. We're talking, talking about, about Brittany. Museums. Oh, exhibits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exhibits, Brittany, and museums. Yeah, Brittany, <laughs> would you like to like tell us more about who you are as a person? Absolutely. I did want to say that I saw a show, technically, uh, this week. I saw uh, Louis Comfort Tiffany, Treasures from the Dre House Collection at the Taft Museum of Art, okay. which was wonderful. Um, but I can tell you about myself. So um, I have a degree in history. And I decided I did not want to be a teacher, which I think is a lot of people's story in our yeah, program. <laughs> um, and so I really wanted to teach in unconventional spaces and that ended up being museums. So my first job in a museum um, actually was when I was in high school. <laughs> I worked at a science museum <laughs> in Cleveland, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I quickly moved to a lot of different museums throughout my career. And I'm currently interning at the Taft Museum of Art. Oh, great. So my background is all in education and art and history museums even though i have that small like science museum <laughs> background and by small i mean i worked there for like a summer so yes. well, that's awesome <laughs> Work. now carlos and i don't have a lot of experience with museums yes so instead of talking about other things like we have in the other podcasts we thought it'd be a good idea and you know not a lot of young professionals when they say arts in cincinnati will think museums immediately um, however, Carlos and I really want to know more about it and we thought this would be a good opportunity because you're here yeah. for us to talk about more specifics, even more general information about museums, um, because we don't know that much information. Yeah. I'm sure you guys know more than you think, you know, like honestly, well, probably. Yeah. yeah, I go, I mean, since I went to home, home, home squared, which is like Chicago suburbs, cause this currently Cincinnati is my home. And then home cube is Mexico. Cause that's where I was born. Uh-huh. That's how I differentiate them. But I went to home squared and i went to the, <laughs> the mexican museum of art which is my favorite museum because it's like oh in chicago yeah i love that place favorite place ever i go there every time i go back since i like discovered it and they change exhibits at least every time i go because i'm i'm never there 
like consistently, just like periodically. They have really good programming too, actually. I get mm-hmm. the emails. I signed up for the email list. At least. I don't <laughs> live there, but <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> that um, was interesting. Oh, and when I was at Oberlin, we have the Allen uh, Museum up uh, on campus, and it's free for Oberlin students. And I think that that was the one thing when I graduated looking back on it i was like oh man i should have taken advantage of that a lot more than i did i've been to that museum too it is really great because i and it's really funny because it doesn't look like a it's big very museum unassuming. but you walk in and it's like holy crap mm-hmm. like i did not realize that painting was mm-hmm. here that's what people say and about me too mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um so we have a few questions um these are submitted by both of us and a couple other people um, and our listeners and our listeners. Cool. I'm yeah. ready to answer them. Um, so, first of all, museum has art. Mm. Yes. Art museums have art. Yes. But do they own the art? Okay. So, just to be clear, we're going to focus this conversation on art museums because the intricacies of science centers and history museums are different. and um, Kind of crazy. Yeah. Very different. Kind of crazy. Um, different rules. Yes. So, with art museums, the question is, do they own their art yeah do they actually purchase art and hang it up got it uh the answer to that question is yes (laughs) (laughs) so um art museums traditional art museums were established uh in the 1800s a lot of them in the 1800s 1900s um so a lot of the artwork was donated to them and they didn't have to purchase anything like the people who started the museums it was their personal collections and they just put the art up for display um so it's more a place for them to actually be shown off yes it's a place to like hold them and brag about what they have in Ah. their collections yes (laughs) jeffrey look at my Monet. Yes. <laughs> Cloud, look at my painting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so museums have those permanent collections that they've held for <laughs> hundreds of years. Uh, but then there are some museums who actually do, um, it's called accessioning. So they acquire new art pieces um, by purchasing them or somebody donates new stuff to them. Interesting. Yes. Okay. And so the the, uh, the opposite side of that is deaccessioning when they get rid of the artwork, which is um, can be a very controversial thing for museums to do because they're holding the art in public trust. So they're holding it for the public, and it's hard to say, you know, we don't find value in this piece of art anymore when there could be people in their community who actually do still want it to be there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's a complicated there was issue. A, there was a massive issue, or at least one of those controversies. I don't remember where it was. but Detroit. A, Oh, Detroit, yeah. you're right, <laughs> where they started selling off all their artwork to basically try to hit net zero. To by pay the, the time. bills. Yeah. yeah, they were going to. They didn't actually end up doing it, um, but they were they were going to do it. And and then, you know, the public was like, you can't do that. You, you can't sell your artwork to pay for your bills. That's not why you have it there. It, the art that's in these museums is worth a lot of money. So, yeah. I mean, clearly, if they sold it, they would be very wealthy institutions. Mm-hmm. But um, you just can't can't sell your art to pay your bills do, do museums in your knowledge like pick selective artwork depending on like the kind of exhibit they want to demonstrate or do they like bring it up from if they have a like an inventory where they keep a lot of these things that like sometimes like put back and then they put back again yeah so like in the collection storage um if they're a good museum it's organized by era <laughs> and like the type of art it is they're a good organization you're yeah. there's a good place up there i'll <laughs> just hang it up and you know it really is up to the curator so or maybe donor intentions oh wait um, pause curating yes who i've what? always been really confused about exactly what a curator does okay <laughs> i always assume it's like someone who like paints over mistakes 
Oh, that's a conservator. Okay, well, that's good to know. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, I, okay, I'm not an art museum expert. A lot of my experience <laughs> is in history museums. We'll talk about that soon. Okay. I just was but, curious. Uh, but, about okay, this so question. curators, uh, they basically, a lot of them have PhDs in the art history background that they have interest in. So they could be really um, deeply knowledgeable about, like, Chinese art or, like, knowledgeable about, like, um, what is it? Arts, arts and crafts type art or uh, like interactive arts. No, arts and crafts type art is different. Um, it's like decorative arts, kind of like uh, these Tiffany um, lamps and windows that were in the Tiffany exhibit at the TAF right now. If you've ever seen, if you've seen pictures of okay, yeah, um, yeah. what that exhibit looks like right now. Um, so there's like that kind or like really anything, any kind of art history. There's a person who's an expert on it and they're a curator in that area. Um, so if they notice that the collection of a museum has a lot of something, then they can try to put together an exhibit based on the collections that they currently have. If they need to like supplement it with added stuff, they can find a collector out there who's willing to like lend them some pieces to kind of round out the exhibit that they're planning. Sweet. Yeah. And so then how does it work in like history and science? Like do they, since it's not an RP, do they pick like a specific time in history or a specific like event in history? Yeah. So with history museums, um, if they're focused on a very particular type of history, then they, they try to find exhibits that um, complement that history. So I worked at the Freedom Center as well. And um, the exhibits that they bring to the Freedom Center are, more, are all about black history. They're about slavery. They're about um, racial injustice or just um, issues of contemporary slavery um and so they obviously don't have artwork to display mm -hmm. so they usually have like a researcher write up the story of that event or that time in history and then um it goes up onto exhibit panels and then it's supplemented with like artifacts from that era so if you go to the freedom center there's like slave chains and like wow. i don't know like the tools that slaves used on plantations and stuff like that um so it's a little bit of a different process but it still comes from somebody inside the museum saying, hey, we probably should do an exhibit on this and then just bringing the pieces together to make it happen. Is it ever, sorry to ask another question. Yeah. In, when in terms of history, because like it's something that's so stuck there, like that yeah. is the past. Is it, does it ever feel limiting since it's like, oh, we can like, we'll focus in these 10 years. But like, oh, now we have to focus on like this one year. Is it ever kind of like that? Um, or is it always like there's a new perspective for like that specific era? It, there is always a new perspective. It's kind of limiting just because you you know you can't talk about everything. You can't talk about every perspective. But if you like the story of slavery has been done in many museums many times. But if you choose a different point of view to tell it from, that could be an interesting story to tell. Or if you focus on a different aspect of it, like I did this program about kids on the Underground Railroad, and it was a program for kids. Um, and so people don't usually talk about you know yeah. children in that time period and so it's a new way for people to get engaged with the material and understand it from a different perspective and I think that's kind of what makes it really exciting um, so that you don't feel like you're seeing the same thing over and over again when you go to a history museum or an yeah. art museum that's yeah. really cool so I, I know uh, at least the ones that uh, there there's a history museum that I've gone to and you normally see the same um, couple exhibits and then some are changing pretty consistently right do you think that there's a difference in um, seasonality or like time frames of these exhibits being up between just an art museum or a history museum? Do you feel like one is more like ever changing than the other one? Does that make sense? No, I think that both types of museums are constantly doing new things because they constantly want to bring people into the museum. Museums have an interesting issue, and I don't know if theater and orchestra has it to the same extent where 
it does have the reputation of you are going to see the same thing over and over again when you go yeah. to a museum. <laughs> and I mean, if you've been there and, once, and that's really funny because it's like, that's, yeah, I mean, that does kind of happen in like symphonies. I don't know. Theater, not as much, but the exception of maybe like the holidays where like, but like for symphonies, it's very much like, oh, well, they like, we'll do this Beethoven and like same next composers, season, same we'll pieces. Like, oh, we'll yeah. do just like Beethoven again. Yeah. <laughs> or like the season after that. Oh, look, let's put another Beethoven. <laughs> Just like a different symphony of his or like yeah. something that's like not as popular, but still like Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to know that at least from your perspective and from our perspectives that they're very much the same issue, mm-hmm. um, just in a different field, mm-hmm. which is, which is, you know. Yeah. So they're always doing things to like reinvent the museum experience and reinvent the way you're seeing art. Um, something that I think is really exciting that the Taft is doing um, is participating in slow art day, which is when you spend an hour with one painting. You don't know what that painting is before you get there. And you really are encouraged to dig deep into that piece and figure out, you know, what have you seen about this before? What does it tell you? Um, why was it made and have conversations with people you probably normally would not have conversations with about it. Um, and so that's, that's one way of like trying to um, change up the, the viewing experience in a museum where things maybe don't change. There was, um, as often. I went to the contemporary art center a long time ago. I don't know <laughs> if this exhibit still up. It's like they, they call it like the kids part where like, it's very interactive. Oh, at the CAC. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was like super into it, even though I'm like, obviously not a kid and like, like in my way into adulthood, apparently. Whatever, adulthood is really a concept anyway. Um, but they had this, <laughs> they had this um, part, um, exhibit, piece, whatever, where it was just like you just sat down and you faced this mirror, and there's a video on your right by the one, and yeah. they asked you to like, like kiss yourself, like the mirror image of you, and I was like, like how is this for kids? Like I'm like so impacted by it. Like I like you sat there and you looked at yourself and like if you haven't. If you don't like love yourself enough, like you don't tell yourself in the mirror that like you love yourself. You're just like sitting there and you're like fully admiring, like yeah, you should love yourself. I started crying, Aww. and then like I'm, I mean, I'm I felt not as weird about like kissing myself because like I'm so used to like kissing guys anyway. But like I like thought about it then from like straight people who like like how does it weird? How would it feel to like kiss someone of the same sex if you've never had like how does it feel like like really like admiring yourself so much like you'd be willing to like kiss yourself yeah you know and i was like so impacted by that and i love when museums have pieces that really impact you and make you think differently about your experiences or somebody else's experiences and you walk away and you're telling us the story like i'm sure this was several months ago now you remember it because it impacted you that deeply those are the best kind of museum moments for me too (laughs) i like do this nowadays where like i look in my bathroom mirror and i'm like i look good today yeah (laughs) I, I don't I like I don't kiss That's myself great. anymore because and it's interesting though because that happened at the contemporary art center I think it's easier for contemporary art to have transformational moments like that but for t- traditional art museums where it's like a Monet that you've seen a million times or it's like a really popular piece of work it doesn't have that same like interactive um feel to it mm-hmm. and so I think that's the challenge for museums to make sure that they figure out a way to make those traditional uh established pieces of art that people know and love and display them in a way where you walk away talking about it months later. Sure. Um, speaking of this, can we, can we discuss, uh, like what are some cultural societal ways to like, like admire art or like when you go to a museum, like how do you go about it? Well, yeah. Like, what do you do exactly? <laughs> like, do you like, 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 cause, cause I know I've, I've been in the experience where I'm like, I'm walking through a museum or I'm walking through an exhibit and I'm just like, Oh, that's cool. 
<laughs> and then I move on to the next one. Oh, that's cool. And, and I've been to something like, oh, you can or, download an or, app. Or, yeah, yeah. Or even uh, I went uh, at the Allen Museum. I stood in front of this uh, abstract piece of art, and I was just like staring at it for a full 10 minutes, just going, what the heck is this? <laughs> and then just trying to understand it. And so, so do you think that there's an ideal way of experiencing it or like what, what, what should we do? I, I know it's a hard I th- question. I think you should do, you should enjoy and experience art in whatever way feels comfortable for you. She's like, you do Bam. you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's no right or wrong way to appreciate art. And anybody who tells you that is not a person you should be listening to. Art is a very personal thing. And whatever intentions the artist had in making it are not necessarily what you're going to receive from it. And that's okay. I think that's part of why it is art. It is completely subjective and you can interact with it and experience it in whatever way you want. Don't touch it. Uh, <laughs> that's one thing. That's, that's, that's a good, yes, that's, that, that's actually thing. a really good uh, <laughs> pivot point to what I was going to ask is, you know, the subjective, you know, how do we, how do we feel about art? What do we look at? What are the objective things? What are, what are we not supposed to do? What are things are we supposed to do? Like about, what, exactly what are the rules? Okay. Museum rules 101. Uh, don't touch the art unless they say to touch it. So you kiss the mirror at the CEC, which is wonderful. If it's an interactive piece of art, obviously go touch it. Uh, but if you do go see, let's keep our Monet theme going here. If you see that, don't, don't touch it. Uh, the security guards will rush you probably. So <laughs> what a moment. I remember don't I saw, that. I saw a video of, I don't remember where it was, but there was a security footage of a kid who didn't realize he wasn't supposed to touch the, the art. Mm. It was just going around and literally just like, putting his fingers on the artwork and i was watching it going i don't know that much but i know that that is incorrect (laughs) (laughs) and his mother was just like looking at something and i was just like help your child oh oh my gosh (laughs) yeah my mouth's on the floor right now (laughs) honestly that's the only thing that you should not do is you know just don't touch it if you're if you're not supposed to touch it i think um another thing that i've talked about with a few other museum professionals is like just be respectful of the guards. The guards that are in museums have a very hard job and they can be overbearing sometimes (laughs) and kind of annoying actually. Uh, But they're just trying to do their job. So there's no need to like be rude to them or um, not acknowledge their presence, like smile at them. They know stuff about the art too and they can talk to you about it. Um, So those are my two takeaways from that. What about taking pictures? It's actually up to the museum to decide if they want to let you take pictures or not. There are uh, museums where you can't take pictures at all. There are museums who want you to take selfies with the art and like um, imitate the poses and post them online so people can see you interacting mm, with yeah. it. Good marketing. Um, it is great marketing. I'm all about posing in front of naked statues. Nice. <laughs> Sounds like, do you have those pictures? <laughs> <laughs> when like I went to the Louvre, <laughs> yeah. um, this was like years ago, like sophomore year of high school. So like I was literally a baby. Okay. Um, there was one where it was literally like, like posting um, like arms up, like very seductive man with like kind of chisel abs. Cause like, obviously I don't have that. So um, even back then, <laughs> and I just like pose and it's like one of my profile pictures. I don't think I have it up anymore. Cause it was like, <laughs> too much maybe but well yeah so there's and there's also museums who like within the same building like there will be one exhibit that you can take pictures of and then one that you can't take pictures of um i went to this really cool museum it's actually very morbid but i'm gonna tell you guys the story really quickly um i went to (laughs) this museum in italy it was in rome and it was um a very small museum connected to a church and it was um I don't even know if they call it the tomb or the like a cave of the Cappuccini monks. And I, ca- I cannot tell you what year they did this, but basically these monks were held um, 
imprisoned, I think, in this, like, cave. And uh, they die. A lot of them died. And somebody stayed alive. And they built these, like, amazing, amazing, amazing artistic structures with the bones of Mm, the bodies. Um, And so there are all these, like, really ornately decorated archways with these bones and, like, these, like, altar pieces. And they're, like, stuck in the walls of the cave. You can't take pictures in this place. It's a very, like, uh, kind of, like, religious kind of experience, sacred thing. And it's also, it's, like, people's body parts so they don't want you to take pictures of it um but it was the craziest museum experience i've ever had in my life but no pictures holding the building together yeah foundation yeah like literally died for the foundation yeah it's crazy but it's it's so pretty though too at the same time but when you think about it it's like these are all people's bones like it's crazy i do find that some speaking of that just briefly like i do find it the like the culture around I can't say the word death with the th at the end. Like th is her heart for me, but death. Death. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Death. Um, I can't do it. It's a. It's a thing. We got what you mean. Um, I got you. How like uh, Americans are very like this is supposed to be a sad and mournful time. Like let's grieve it. But like my culture, like as Latin Americans, very like let's celebrate like the lives they had and like how much they've impacted us and like continue celebrating that. Like we're like oh my god yes very sad that they died. Like we'll miss them cry and then like next like hour we'll be like having a party. Like it's yeah. still not like going all out by like like oh remember when they did this this was the best and then it's like very happy yeah yeah um so we talked about the interactive stuff when it comes to museums mm-hmm. but when that is not a part of the exhibit how do i learn more about the art and is that changing yeah um so the traditional the traditional way of learning about the art is from the exhibit labels which tell you like the artist, the year, and maybe like the material it's made out of, and maybe like a short line about what they were thinking of when they made it. Um, and then there's also the docent, the all powerful being in a museum, actually. The docents are volunteers <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, give the tours. They are the ones who are in the front lines, leading people through the galleries. Um, some museums do it where you have to book a tour to get a docent to lead you around and other museums um just have docents around just like waiting for people to come up to them to ask some questions and some people do a combination of both um but these are people who take classes and sit down and really put in the hours and the time to learn about the artwork um so that they can educate people about it when they get asked questions um and a lot of docents are like really fabulous people and they know so much and they really care about teaching people about art and they're all volunteers they're all volunteers yeah yeah wow which is amazing. And a lot of museums have them because, I mean, people who want to, like, patronize the arts, but maybe they don't have the money to, um, that's one way that they can help out a museum or yeah. an art institution. Um, or if they, you know, just really love art and they just want to share it with people. That's, that's a awesome. way to get into, into I it, too. Yeah. I learn a new word every day. <laughs> Docent. We've learned yes. a couple. Docent, yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and so... When it comes to interactive stuff, mm-hmm. would, uh, I know I went to uh, somewhere in New York. I forget where. Um, but they had the uh, MP3 players mm-hmm. or CD player with... Um, you went to a museum and they had a CD player? Or not? I don't know if it was a CD <laughs> What year? <laughs> it was 1980. Um, no, but uh, no, Hello, but they had, they had. I think it was, it was it was like it was like an iPod where okay. basically you. you I'm go, sorry, an iPod. Yeah, shut up. You go to you go to the track number on the no, yeah, label yeah, yeah. and it tells you about the piece. Yes, kind of almost as and you know your personal. What's yeah. the word again? Docent. Docent. Yeah. Um, you know, right in your. Ear. Um, so <laughs> would you consider that 
interactive or would you like is for those sort of things yeah. are those technically what you're saying when you're saying interactive or um yes in that you can go at your own pace and mm-hmm. you can learn more about it it's interesting about those technologies is that as soon as you get them up and running, I think with a lot of technologies is like they're obsolete like the next year. Yeah. <laughs> so like they probably did maybe have, I hope that there were no museums with like cassette players that they were giving people to like. The yeah. I had to tours. go to the B side to hit yeah. the <laughs> second part. Of- <laughs> but like, so like iPod tours are kind of like nobody really has an iPod anymore. So then it's like, okay, well we're going to create our own app. And we've all talked about in class how apps are not worth it ever. No. <laughs> um, you see them should hear that. <laughs> Even um, though some do, right? Some actually create them. Yeah, some them. do. But some also use like third-party apps that already exist and they just like upload their story onto them. Oh, so there's one that I've used called Story actually, and you basically you just upload all the content you want onto that website. People have to download the app and then as you walk around the museum, it'll ping you and it'll tell you something like something will pop up on your phone depending on where you are in the museum to give you more information about where you're at. Um it is not just words. I mean, videos can pop up interviews. That's um so cool. music anything like that so i think that's an interesting way to have your own personal docent in a museum but i think a lot of people really want personal interactions and so just listening to your phone is kind of like not the best yeah i saw there was a there was a meme on facebook and i don't know if it was a meme or it was just some political activist or something and the same thing probably (laughs) um and there was a picture of a group of kids in a museum oh, I think I know all exactly looking at their phones. Mm. And it said, is this how we're treating the kids of America? Okay. And I looked up that photo and it was from a museum's website who was saying, we use these apps to further engage kids on the art. And I was like, oh, okay. That I just got off my high horse and just, you know. It was like a picture it. given to you with like different context. With different context yeah. than what it actually was. And when I learned what it actually was, I was like, oh, I'd do that. Because if, if I learned more information about what I'm looking at, I'd probably look at it differently. And I think that's yeah. the whole point of the labels. Yeah, that is the point of the labels. And I love when museums have different um, levels to the labels. So like we've talked about in our classes, um, writing to different audiences within a press release or an email or something like that. Like you write something for the people who you know don't really care about your art and then you write something for the subscribers who like know they care about it and they are going to know if you name drop <clears throat> or say something really obscure and like because they're in that art form. So with labels, you can give all the technical details about like how somebody made it and the life or you know the, the name of the person and why they're significant within art history. But then you can also give information about like what does this really mean to my life today? Like, why do I care about this? What am I going to see in this artwork that will make me think about my life differently? And that connects to a different type of audience. So I think it works really well when you have the technology piece and then you also have the labels that speak to different people. And you also have the docents who are there to give that personal connection to have somebody to actually discuss what you just read and heard with. Yeah, That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love, I know that I wish people would continuously see museums of all kinds is because uh, I know that I particularly really like contemporary museums. Mm-hmm. I'm like seeing, there was one time I saw like this just like very plain and white like art piece with like some texture in it. And I was like, this speaks to me. Like yeah. just like the fact, it was like really weird because it's just like plain white and someone would be like, I think my brother who was with me who like doesn't really like any type of art yeah. world, not just like art art by like 
art, but like music or anything outside of like pop and Latin. He was just like, this is just white. And I'm like, <laughs> this is emotional for me. <laughs> I think a lot of people get intimidated when they look at art too, because they feel like they need to have like the right experience like you were talking about yeah. before, or like you need to have like the correct words to speak about it. And you really don't. It can be as simple as like, you like the color. It made you feel good to look at it, you know? Um, and I think that's a win on the part of the artist if you can walk away having e- either some feelings. Yeah. yeah, there was a discussion a long article long ago that I read that like <laughs> people really wish that people would have any opinion, and that's kind of like mm-hmm. why we yeah. started this podcast. Like we really want people to have an opinion, whether it's like good or bad, not just like we also want them to be able to talk about it. Yeah, not just to have it. Yeah, exactly. We're like, if you don't like it, then like say that, mm-hmm. but like have a reason for it, and it's just like I don't like it. That's it. Like, it's like, I don't like it because it just didn't feel like it connected to me or some other reason. Yeah. Or like, I loved it because, like, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we have, I think, a couple more a couple minutes more. before we yeah. have to move on. Okay, um, I'm totally good with that. But so, you know, normally when, uh, at least this is my take on it, normally when you think museum, you think, oh, young children are going to experience history Older people are going to see the artwork that they like. Why should young professionals be interested in going to museums? And how do you think that we can help bring them into museums? Well, not to sound like an old person here, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to. She's literally 26. I know, right? <laughs> you don't have to tell people my age. That's so young. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> We need young professionals in museums because without them, uh, museums won't exist anymore. Uh, we know that in all of the art forms, you know, audi- older audiences are not no longer with us. <laughs> they're not supporting. Oh my God, that's a good way of saying it. Right? Don't let them know. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, obviously they're not here. Um, but and so we need somebody to like be engaged and take over the responsibility of of holding these places in trust and making sure that they exist. So. I don't know. For for me, the reason that young professional professionals should go to museums, enjoy art, visit art, do things artsy, artfully, um, <laughs> is so is <laughs> so that they can change the way that these places have been operating. So they can get in there, get into positions of leadership and power, getting to get into positions of influence, and make them into the places that they want to see and the places that. Um, they want to go to and that their friends will want to go to. That's kind of why I'm doing it because um, I know that a lot of my friends don't like to go to museums, but I love them and I want to make sure that they're places where everyone feels welcome and everyone can see themselves represented and um, that they want to support the museum because they feel comfortable there and they feel ownership in it. I love that. Yes, girl. Yes, snaps. Um, I have, I mean, one question, which is just for, I think everyone, like how do you, do you do you think there's any way that like arts profits could or should learn from museums and the way that are structured, and like something that museums do excellently that other nonprofits haven't picked up on? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I would say that museums are really good at leveraging their assets. So museums have these really 
old, important, expensive pieces of art in their collections. And they're really good at letting people know that they're there and lending them out to other museums across the country and across the world so that their name gets out there, first of all, and that so people can also experience it in other places. Because, you know, you can only come to one place to see an original piece of artwork yeah. with music and theater people can perform it everywhere and you know you can see it wherever you are um but museums do a good job of letting people know what they have in their collections sending it out so that the world can experience it um, because it is a singular one place one time type of experience awesome great yeah. answer yeah it's great i think we have to move on yeah okay on to the calendar <laughs> So we are on to our calendar. This is the last part of our podcast. Brittany, first of all, thank you. This has been very enlightening. You're so welcome. Um, I am now going to go to more museums. Please do. I will come with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, can you hold my hand? Of course, yes. I can hold everybody's hand. I'm a I very can, touchy person. I can be a docent. I've given tours before, actually. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> actually, that'd be really fun. You yeah. should do that. We'll plan this. Arts administration. That would be really fun. Tour at several museums we'll do a tour series so we can go to all the museums oh my God, let's do a, a a museum tour crawl yes a, a museum crawl yes a museum <laughs> crawl let's That's do it really young like professionals that. museum crawl okay podcast listeners don't steal our idea we're gonna do <laughs> we, this we are getting it patent pending <laughs> i know i feel okay. like a museum will try to steal it now don't do it we're doing this <laughs> or at least like give us some money because of it yes. if you if you make a profit we'll run it for it. you for sure if you don't make we'll a advertise profit, it if you don't make a profit we were never involved <laughs> So on our calendar, um, we're going to uh, start with the stuff that's still playing. The Playhouse, uh, Marie and Rosetta, again, you know, we were able to see it. Carmen wrote an artful thought about it this past week. Um, it ends March 31st at the Marx Theater. Um, make sure you go see it. I was, it was, it was a very good uh, play. Had some great music in it. Two people on stage, and it was remarkable. I mean, oh, so good. Goosebumps. Really, it was, honestly. But I say that for everything, so. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Goosebumps with a side of salt. <laughs> a grain of salt a grain of sand i don't know what's that idioms are hard for me with a move, grain of salt moving on there you go <laughs> uh since she six is also still doing othello um another th word uh, othello and it ends on march 24th uh there's student rush tickets for 14 bucks you have to be there 30 minutes before though um and also ensemble theater we haven't talked about them a lot but they are doing red velvet um it's going to be ending march 31st and they also have student tickets um and yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think anyone in our class has seen it yet, but I definitely would like to go see it before it closes. We have some time. Upcoming, we have a bunch of things. Uh, Playhouse in the Park is doing Sooner Later, or do they pronounce it Sooner Slash Later? I think it's oh. Sooner Later. Okay. Um, anyway, it's <laughs> it starts March 24th and it's April 22nd. There's college performances every Sunday for 10 bucks, so that's a steal. Mm -hmm. uh, the CSO Chamber Players is doing the String Forward. Um, it's on March 23rd at Music Hall. Uh, make sure to get tickets now, and you can go to the Cincinnati Symphony website to get those. Cincinnati Opera is doing two events, which I'm very excited about. This First, is right up your alley. I know. It's very much up my alley. Once Opera is a drag, and I believe they're having drag queens. Oh, my God. Ooh. They are. Love it. They're March 23rd, and fun. it's Below Zero Lounge, which is like the gayest club. In Cincinnati. And the most fun, for sure. Definitely the most fun. 
Also, like, I don't know necessarily about club, but like, whatever. Uh, you can dance there. Uh, anyways, it's Cabaret. 15. <laughs> Cabaret. Oh my God. Uh, yes, Opera is a Drag, 15 bucks, March 23rd. And since the Opera is also doing Singers and Spirits Part 2, Part 2, where they're doing Baritones and Brew. So if you like beer and if you like hunky men, which tend to be Baritones, um, on March 29, 6 to 9 p.m., it's $10 for this one performance. So you can get for the next three performances $25. Um, and it's at Westside Brewing. Uh, and also, finally, the CSO uh, are doing their Mozart and Strauss performance on March 23rd and 24th. Uh, it's at Music Hall. There are $15 student rush tickets the week of. But also, if you've never been to the symphony, use the promo code first time and you get any ticket, $10. Winner. Any ticket. First time. Yeah. It's like it's a wonderful. Good, it's a great opportunity to go on a date. Ask for Jackson at the box office. Because mm. I'll be there. Brittany, do you have any museum knowledge? I do. So I have something from all four of the major museums here. Um, I'm going to start with the most expensive one. So sorry, guys. There's no discounts (laughs) with this one. But um, (laughs) the Taft. So currently they have um, the Taft Museum of Art. They have the Louis Comfort Tiffany um, exhibit. Um, Tickets are $16 for a guided tour. Wow, you make that sound really expensive. That's the most expensive? Yeah. Well, because, because some museums are free. So, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I guess on the range level, and I like, personally enjoy the free ones. Uh, so, same, same. <laughs> but I did actually get to see the Tiffany exhibit, and it is really beautiful. Um, it's basically just a whole bunch of glass, like lamps and oh. windows, and like really pretty vases and stuff like that. So, um, it is something now. that you could bring your grandmother to for sure. It's one of those type of exhibits, but it's also if you really like looking at pretty things. Um, that's that. <laughs> um, and then we have the Freedom Center, which their tickets are $15. Um, and they have an exhibit coming up called um, Confederate Currency, The Color of Money. And it's basically all about Confederate money. Um, so that's starting April 6th. It's going to be up through the summer. I'm ex- I'm actually very excited to see that uh, because I know that they've been working on that one for a long time to wow. get that here. So it's finally happening. I'm very excited for them. Uh, and then Me we excited. have the Art Museum. So Cam. Um they have a William Kentridge um, exhibit currently up um, through May 20th. So if you guys want to see that, and Cam is free all the time, which is wonderful. That's so that's awesome. one of my favorite places to go. And just a plug for their um, Art After Dark, which are like YP events there. Um, they're free, obviously. Um, and there's food and there's drinks. There's usually some activity to do, um, a performance to see there. And you get to see the exhibits and just have fun with people. So highly recommend going to those. We'll definitely start to keep people updated on Absolutely. those. Absolutely. Art awesome. After Dark is amazing. Um, and then lastly, the CAC, which is also a fave, and you love the love. CAC. They're free, too. <laughs> Maybe I just um, enjoyed kissing myself. Who knows? Well, then. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Every morning. <laughs> Can't imagine. Um, and the CAC, I actually don't know exactly what's happening at the CAC right now, but they always have amazing stuff. They always have the Unmuseum open, which mm-hmm. is where you had the mirror kissing experience. So um, highly recommend going there, too. Awesome. Thank we you. need to start adding more museum stuff because that all sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, as always, listeners, thank you so much. Rate, subscribe, and comment so we can continue gaining popularity. So maybe that one day our podcast ends up in the Library of Congress. Who knows? <laughs> but also, really, this is just to validate ourselves to our parents. Shout out to Mama Short. Yes. <laughs> Mrs. Short, love you. Our only listener, really. <laughs> You can find more of me in Instagram at cgarcia.leon or through Twitter at cgarcia underscore leon. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at manage the arts. Uh, you can connect with us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Artvols Podcast. 
and or send us any questions throughout um, our mail, which is artfulspodcast at gmail.com. Brittany, would you like to tell everyone where to find you? Of course. You can find me at brenev 14 at gmail.com or on Instagram at, uh, ooh, what is it? B <laughs> Renee V with two E's at the end. Um, yeah, that's it. Winner. Yeah. Awesome. Love you. Love you guys Thank too. you so Thank much. Thank you for having me. me. It was so much fun. Yes. Do you want to say our sign off? Yes, I would love to do your ending here, your sign off. Thank you for li- listening. And as always, have an artful day. Woo! Yeah.